This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Hi everybody to the live feed. Welcome to uh, Practical Spirituality here in the Old City of Jerusalem in Asia Torah. If you could just plug that baby in, I appreciate it. Both sides. Okay, um, we're handling subjects. Our first subject uh, that was put out there was corners. The subject of corners. Corners of fields. Corners of the head. Like the Torah mentions corners. Corners of your garments. Most people don't have garments with corners, but I do. This garment has corners. So corners, that's one subject. Any water in here? Corners. Corners. Do you mind hitting me with two cups of water? Uh, who else has a subject? Yeah. Uh, what about connecting with God? How best to connect with God? Wow, I like that. Uh-huh, okay. Connection with God. I need to hydrate so I don't get hung over from lunch. Okay. <laughs> I had lunch at a brewery. <laughs> Like no, but it feels like. In fact, the recording I was listening to on YouTube was saying that that alcohol is not called spirits for nothing. It actually also affects your third eye and uh, has its own effect on the pineal gland, which is a pretty interesting thought. Is it good or Never bad? heard of that. Alcohol? Yeah. Depends. It's got everything's got a time and a place. Okay, so we got connected with God. What what else we got out there? Yeah, you must go on. What is it called? Remembrance Day. Tonight is begins Remembrance Day. What is it going on? We should probably mention that a little bit. Uh, what else? Any other subjects? Got a subject? Still waiting for your subject, Baruch. Yeah, it's it's coming. It's, per- it's percolating. Okay, you're, you can mention it anytime. Obviously, anyone watching this live can uh, write in a subject that they want me to handle. And uh, my apologies, my apologies, my apologies to everyone that I am traveling tonight for the next two weeks. So, if anyone has anything, anyone in uh, Brooklyn tomorrow, I'm doing a power lunch hour in Brooklyn. I have uh, uh, Baltimore Thursday. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, four different experiences, and then um, and then I'll be in LA for Monday to Thursday, and then I'll be back in New York Thursday night, Friday, and then uh, and then I'm from then on out, I'm going to be busy out there. Uh, just put my phone on Do Not Disturb. Okay, any other subject before I start? Yeah, what do you got? We got that. How do we deal with all that? Yeah. What aspect of the army in Judaism, Gaza? I mean, just how do you confront these difficult political questions? Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's like Palestinians in general. Anyone else? Yeah. Oh, Barbara. How to read this? Um, 
Why is religion necessary? In other words, why do we need an intermediary between ourselves and God? Uh, oh, meaning Judaism. Judaism or any religion. Because it's funny you ask that, because Judaism is the one that got rid of the intermediaries. <laughs> but Judaism itself is a medium for it. So, like, even though it's the tradition that got rid of intermediaries, it's still like, why can't I just have a relationship with God without Judaism? Exactly. That's an amazing I love that question. So far, that's, I think, maybe my favorite. Um, how about, I'll put it up here with, uh, what's your name? Shlomo. With Shlomo's question, connection with God, um, why is Judaism going to somehow offer me that connection that I can't, I can't get that on my own? Excellent. Yeah. Um, when uh, different parts of my body are aching or hurting or broken, what, what's the trying to tell me? Uh-huh. The messages of the body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My toenails been bothering me a lot. What is that? What is that? Is there a quick way of finding out what that means? I call that body talk. <laughs> and, uh, body talk's usually through ailments. Yeah. Yeah, the way you say stuff. Yeah. Okay. I have her on my phone. Yeah. <laughs> Good. I have her in my bathroom. So, you got one there? Yes. Connect with Godly soul. How to connect with it? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm going to keep that as connection with God and we'll move the God. Okay, very good. Uh, I think just because we're going into Remembrance Day tonight, uh, we're... You know, it's Yom Hazikaron, where we remember the fallen soldiers of Israel. And that, and then that uh, dovetails into Yom Ha'atzma'ut, which is Independence Day, and set up to be like that they didn't sacrifice for nothing, they sacrificed for, for the state of Israel. And um, hopefully when you party on Yom Ha'atzma'ut, you'll find a mature scene so you don't have that feeling of like, what did they die for? Yeah, <laughs> you know, because everyone's drunken and shaving, creaming each other. You know, like I don't think that's what they died for. But the um, okay, so Remembrance Day. Just to mention a, a word or two about that, um, I'm going to ask you guys a question, and the question is as follows: Why fight for the Israeli army? Why fight for the IDF? Your job is to say why, and I'm going to write it on the board. So my question is, why serve in the IDF? Okay, we're about to remember those who serve, so let's get in touch with the value of it. Why serve? Okay, there you go. Protection. Oh, it's good, it's in green. IDF's protection. Come on, everyone's got to give some. Serve, serve the city. What? Serve the state? For serving. No, for service. Like for, for the same serving. Serving. Okay. Defensive response. Okay. That's part of protection. It's a little different than protection. Or response? Re- res- re- Meaning preemptive? Re- no. Right. Responding to attack. Okay. Oh, I see. We have I to see. have an army. I so said, if we are attacked, we can respond. Okay, I got that. Good. Which is a little different than protection. Okay, yeah, it is different. What do you got? Yes. Yeah. What? I say connection. Is there 
there's a lot of different connections here. You're connecting to uh, there's a certain loyalty amongst the people that developed. Like we're all we're all serving together. We're okay. I like interconnection better. Okay. Keep it up. Keep it up. Come on, young man, young lady. Why do we serve? Why do we... we don't have to go that much. You got another. The perpetuation of all these cells. Okay. Perpetuation. Right. It's part of we. You get to play Rambo Dream. Play out your Rambo fantasies. Okay. So basically, you all fell into my trap that I set up every year for Yomazikaron. And normally I teach this tomorrow, but I'm going to be on a flight when. You'll be having this class. So, so what happens is you'll notice that if I put above, the, instead of the word IDF, I put the Russian army, or I put the German army, or I put the American army, or I put the British army, you've had the same stuff, more or less, with a little less of what you said for perpetuation, because you said some perpetuating a couple of important things. Um, what you'll notice is that is that the list of things is for all armies. These are universal to armies. And if I can quote Golda Meir, one of our first, uh, maybe she was our second prime minister, that when, um, I'm pretty sure it was she who said that, that uh, when the Egyptians apologized for whatever they did, she said, um, we forgive you for what you did, but we don't for, we forgive you for who you killed, but we don't forgive you for turning our boys into killers. We're the we are the Jewish people, and and this is uh, my my entire life career. These classes are always dedicated to what's worth protecting, to what's worth protecting. But that should be on the list first, because we're not. We're not fighters. We're lovers. Jewish people are lovers. We, we don't, it's not through might, it's through wisdom. Might doesn't make right. It's through wisdom that, that the world will come to peace. And war doesn't make peace. Guns don't make peace. And we are not, we are not fighters. Now, we do have to fight to protect what's important, what's worth protecting. But who we really are is, and now we'll go segueing up to connection with God, is that what we are is a unique people. Fixing the AC? It's too cold? Okay. We're a, a unique people that if you ever, you probably never thought about it, but if you look at history, right now we're in 5778 now, Jewish history, 5778. And now, if you subtract from that how long ago the Torah was given, which is 3,329 years ago, maybe we'll make it easier with a 30, because in a few weeks it'll be 30. Okay. So what do we get? 
You get eight, four, four, two. And what you realize is that we're just about halfway through history. You see that? The Torah was given in 2448. Clear? Easy to remember, by the way. The Torah was given, meaning the Jewish people were amalgamized. In 2448, after Adam, we're counting from Adam, which is when time gets counted. Whatever happened before that, that's up to debate, but we count time from Adam. So how many years after Abraham was the Torah given? Um, he was born in 1948, born. The Torah was given in 2448, so it would have been 500 years. Yeah, quite a long time. Yeah, six generations, they say. Um, 1948 to 2448, yeah, 500 years. What documents were there before Torah? What documents were there before Torah? Um, that's an interesting question. I mean, we have there's Kabbalistic documents. There's a book that he mentioned, the book called The Book of Formation, Kabbalistic book on creation that's attributed to Abraham. Uh, but we don't have, uh, I mean, we have that book, but we, we, there's no way to prove it comes from Abraham. You're not going to find parchment that old. Now, so what you see is half of creation from Adam till 2448 happened with no Jewish people. So part of your answer, Baruch, is that the Jews only come on the scene halfway through human history. We only come in after halfway. And this, that half and the latter half, Come in, ladies. Come on in. Come on in. We have a table for two and one here, so you can all sit together. Yeah, Bo. Uh, human Thank you. History, historically, genealogically, etc., we're talking minimum 40,000 years. How does that relate to this 2448? So, so when... Um, when anthropologists talk about human history, they're, you know, when they want to say, like, our human history would be 40,000 or whatever they say. Yeah, but we, there, there's different ways. That's why I was saying it was up to debate where we go before the 5,000 years. But as far as the last 5,000 years, it's from Adam on. Now, you'll notice, you'll notice Adam has a double creation happening. He's first made, and then it says God blew, in, blew air into his nostrils. And it says he, God didn't blow air, he blew a living soul. Think about it, you're part animal, you got a, you're an organism, but then you've got this consciousness, this soul consciousness. So it's very possible, I'm not saying that's the case in this whole debate, but it's very possible that there were humans who were not yet possessing souls. Incredible brain power, they would have been totally stuck under survival and reproduction, like every animal and plant. They would have been very plant-like or animal-like with survival and reproduction. But they would not have necessarily been building structures. They would not have necessarily been doing artwork. They, would not have, they wouldn't have had that creative aspect. Now, I actually had a meeting with the, with the top anthropologist of Hebrew University here, a secular woman who's the head of anthropology. Here. And uh, I asked her a question that I really stumped her. I said, tell me, is, if, is there any two-story buildings that date before 6,000 years. 
why I asked you that question was a little random, but I was just kind of thinking, humans love to build. We're just builders. We, we love building. You know, if we don't have enough space, we're going up. We're going to go up a level. And, and there's a certain creativity to going up rather than just kind of spreading out. And so I asked her, is there any structure that stands that's more than one story older than 6,000 years? And she sat there silently and did a lot of, looked like she was doing a lot of work in her mind as we were sitting there together. And she finally looks at me puzzled and she says, no, no there's nothing built more than one story older than 6,000 years. And I said to her, well, wouldn't you say that's a little interesting that Adam, now, now don't forget, if creation story, which you'll notice is exactly according to evolution, starts with mineral, moves to vegetable, moves to fish, moves to fowl, moves to animal, moves to human. It's, exact, it's the exact evolution story in Genesis. But if you don't have an Adam, meaning a man, if you don't have a man with a soul, who can now have that cognitive perspective called recognition of time. Because animals don't have recognition of time. They're always in the moment. That's something they have over us. They're in the moment. We're always cognating and thinking about the past, worrying about the future. You're like, we're everywhere but now. Animals are always here and now, here and now. So Adam, who gets that cognitive ability via the nishmas time, via the living soul breathed into him, from then we start counting time. Well, if you start counting time at the soul of Adam. That means before he got that soul, those six days are going to be counted from a different perspective. So who's the only other cognitive perspective? Because remember, time is purely cognitive. Meaning life's always happening here and now. Time is something cognitive. Whose cognition do we use before Adam gets the soul? Who's Cognition would we use? There's only one other cognitive being. It's God. Well, where's God? God's everywhere. But God created a physical universe. So this physical universe is an expanding universe. So from the edge of the universe, which is expanding at high velocities, this we know for a fact, is the universe is expanding at super high velocities. Well, with a universe that expands at super high velocities, well, if you know anything about the theory of relativity, time's going to tick differently. Tick-tock's different up there on the edge of the universe. So what is a tick and a talk here, out there might be tick a million years, talk a million years, tick a million years, talk a million years, or tick a billion years, talk a billion years. Because you're talking about the edge of the universe. So relative to... Adam's count, which comes at the sixth day, but not just think how long the sixth day could be. The sixth day is like animals come to existence, humans come to existence, and that's a big stretch for an evolution. That's mass, that's epochs. And then ultimately the end, Adam gets the soul of life. When God meaning the distance between Adam being made and the soul going in could be a huge amount of time. So you've got homo sapiens, perhaps even for millions of years, until the soul comes in, and that gets the name Adam. That's Adam. And that then clock time shifts to Earth, leaves the edge of the universe. Now, what I'm, sounding, what I'm saying here sounds very theoretical, right? Well, maybe not. It's a bit mathematical, but it sounds a bit theoretical. Would you say it's a bit theoretical sounding? Well, guess what? Scientists actually know 
the time of the expanding universe on the edge of the universe. It's equations that they use for our universe. Guess what? Six days comes out to exactly, six days of Earth time comes out to exactly, not exactly, but they know the numbers. I don't know the numbers. Six days comes out to 15 billion years. Yes, 13 billion years. 13 billion years, whatever. The math works. I don't follow what you just said. That when you count time until Adam, from the edge of the universe, you're going to get to build, to, to, to 13, 13 billion plus. Then, but when you count time from here, Earth, six days would have, would have happened. You would have had the passage on Earth of six days while at the edge of the universe, where time slows the further out you go, you would have 15 billion years. In other words, it could be everyone's right. It could be everyone's right. It could be that the Torah is creating a... The Torah is talking from earth time six days, but from the perspective of God, which was the only perspective until man, that there it's talking God's perspective, and we're talking about epochs, massive space of time. And then with the with the advent of man, then Yopal, etc. Then with the advent of time, then you got... Um, then you've got... Uh, you know, the way we count time, which is six days. Now, by the way, I'm, <coughs> excuse me, I wrote it really, really fast. I think I got my record time. I beat the train coming down Jaffa straight <laughs> after beer tasting. So the, uh, I think I, I like hydrated my lungs or something in the process. Yeah. Adam or Adam, what is the literal translation of this word? That's an amazing question. The word Adam, which is Adam, uh, so it's spelled like this. Just kidding. <laughs> so the name Adam in Hebrew is spelled like this: Aleph, Dalet, and then Mem. That's an actual word. The word, the root Dalet Mem, is a two-letter root, means to be like. Adam, with an Aleph before us, I will be like. It means literally, the word Adam means to emulate. Emulate. What does it mean to emulate? It's actually one of the 613 commandments is to emulate God's ways. And you can't emulate God. God's an infinite being. There's nothing you can do. It's not made of anything. But God's ways we're here to emulate. So just like God might be compassionate, as you know, you're, you probably have a, bit, have a perfect track record in your own behavior. Yet here you are. You know, there's a certain level of compassion for us. God realizes we're all total doofuses and they're going to make stupid mistakes all over the place. And so just like God's compassion, we have to be compassionate with each other and recognize when someone's doing stupid stuff that, you know, who knows what's going on with that person. You've got to be compassionate for that person. And so it will, I will be like, that's what it means. I will emulate. And that's the name of Adam. Now, Adam's also very interesting in the, regarding cognition because <coughs> the, uh, the term Adam starts with an Aleph, which is the number one, Dalit is four, and Mem is 40. What does that equal? 45. Well, 45 has the same numerical value as the word Forty-five has the same numerical value as the word ma. 
40 plus 5. 45. So Adam and what are equal? Because the whole purpose of God creating man is to ask the question, what? What are we doing here? What's the point of it all? Birds don't ask what we're doing here. Dogs don't ask what we're doing here. Cats don't ask what we're doing. Fish don't ask what we're doing. Nothing. Plants don't ask what we're doing here. Human beings are unique in that we are here to ask this question, what? And not only what, but the word why. Hebrew and Spanish are very similar in this, because the word for uh, what in Hebrew is ma, and the word for why in Hebrew is lima, to what, to what end. Spanish is the same. The word for what is que, and why is porque, for what. So this what is the numerical value of Adam? That's what we're doing here. We're here to ask the question, what? What are we doing here? And the, the, uh, this was coming off the heels of Barb's question. Uh, let's just say this. Barb, did I lose you a little bit? No, no. I would just, I had heard something, I, got... I had heard something about it meaning something to do with gardening or growing or the ground or something. And I'm yeah. Remembering the You're doing very well. Yeah. The word for, um, the word for um, ground is Adama. Adama, that was it. Yeah, and the reason it connects to man is because it's because according to the Torah, we were formed from the earth. Right. Yeah. That was what I was trying to remember. We're for, yeah, we're formed from the earth. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> we're talking about the word what is ma, and this is Adam. Adama. 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 That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So let's talk about connection with God uh, for a little bit. And and what uh, you mentioned, connecting through the soul. Uh, Moshe? Shlomo. Shlomo mentioned connection with God. And Baruch says, why do we need Judaism for all this? So here's the answer. Very simple answer. And this is a distinction that I'm going to make with a Venn diagram. And this distinction is distinguishing between alignment uh, You know what, I'm going to change this. I'm going to put it on the other side. Alignment versus connection. Alignment versus connection. Alignment and connection are um, very related to a couple words. One of them is spirituality. Uh, let's put it like, let me fix that. Because connection is where the spirit is, so I want to fix this a little bit. Spiritual. So the word spiritual, you see, is made up of spirit and ritual. So spirit's where the connection happens, and ritual's where the alignments take place. Got that? Spiritual. Um, they're also connected to love and fear, uh, which are the wings of life, love and fear, and the wings of all connection. All Everything's wings of is uh, love and fear. So connection is love, 
and alignment is fear. So you'll see that love and fear never separate. I know there's bumper stickers that say no fear and stuff like that, but but fear, a little fear is very healthy in life, a little fear. So you'll notice it's it never goes away, fear. And you're probably not thinking what I'm thinking right now, so let me explain what I mean. Fear is, and let's say you were in the ultimate relationship, and you just, like, you think this is it, which means you're starting to feel some love. Are you going to feel some fear? Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, what's the fear? The fear is what if it... What if it's not right? What if it what if it goes away? What if it doesn't work? You're never gonna have love without fear. Fear and love are always gonna go together. You have kids, you can have love, you can have fear. You have a spouse, you can have love and fear. You can have a work that you love. Let's say you work for a company, you love working for the company, you can have fear. You wouldn't want to get fired. Yeah. You're gonna love your car. If you have a sports car, you're gonna love that car. You're gonna have fear. Fear of dying. Now, you'll check out how alignment works with this. Connection, there's nothing like the G-forces in that car. Yeah, amazing. Like, I feel totally connected in that vehicle. But what am I going to do? Keep an eye on the lights, keep an eye on the traffic laws, keep an eye on the other cars, keep an eye on my speed. I've got a lot of things I'm aligning with to enjoy my connection. In my marriage, love my wife, amazing lady. But there's things she loves, and she, there's things she doesn't like. She's let me know. She let me know what to, what to do and what not to do. In, you know, in the conditions of that relationship, you know, every relationship has some level of conditions. So, like, she would appreciate it if I, you know, did certain things and avoided other things. I understand that. And now, but imagine I did all the do's and I didn't do all the don'ts, but I never connected to her. I never said, I love you. I never had, you know, quality time with her. Would you like that in your marriage? No. So you see alignment without connection is no good. And how about connection? But the person you're married to totally ignores everything you like and it ignores everything you hate. Not going to be good either. So these both have to be happening at all times. Judaism does not have the patent on connection. You get that? We don't have the patent on conviction. You could even say that someone who's not involved in Judaism might even be more connected at times. You know why? Because, you know, the, the prescription to living as a Jew, full alignment, you know, imagine living my lifestyle. There's a lot of detail. A lot of I's to dot, a lot of T's to cross. Like, there's a lot of detail. Do you see how getting too involved in detail could take away the connection? Like we're more at risk by being observant. You're more at risk of missing connection. Something that the a person who wouldn't even know, you know, wouldn't know how to eat kosher if it like <laughs> if his life depended on it. He wouldn't know how to do that, but could be in total connection, but just not in alignment. Alignment and connection are very important with God, and. As far as alignment is concerned, it depends on your status. Alignment is status-related. Let's say someone's in a single status, and they're dating in single status. Okay? Well, obviously, if we're, talking, if we're talking more secular dating, if the status is that it's a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship, how many rules are there in alignment? A lot or a little compared to marriage? The answer is, 
the bare minimum. Why? Because you don't want them to dump you. So you, you, you want to put as little weight on the person of what you really need. Or what, you know, you, know, you don't want to give them too much to handle because they'll run. They're going to run for their life. And so in a dating relationship where it's boyfriend and girlfriend, it's going to be minimal alignment because the status is low. Boyfriend and girlfriend is a low status compared to marriage. It's going to be minimal alignment rules. And you try to maximize connection. In a situation where, let's say it's a big company, and this company has people working in a, in a cafe in the front, and they've got, but they've also got secretary staff, and they've got executive staff, and they've got sales staff. You'll notice that higher up you are on that staff, all the way to the executive, it comes with lots of rules of complis- compliance to the point where people can get sued just for their position. Meaning, why aren't you suing the waiter in the restaurant downstairs? The answer is they're suing the executive. Because the executives expect to comply with great amount of alignment. The higher the status, the more the alignment. <coughs> You'll notice that a shaman, a uh, medicine chief of a tribe, or the uh, kind of the free roaming shamans that are that are cruising around the cruising around the you know the world today since the uh since the rainforest was uh you know basically with, because of the rainforest they've the burning of the rainforest the chopping down of the rainforest they've sent a lot of the medicine chiefs out into society those guys are involved in a lot of alignment issues they're dealing with lots of details in alignment uh, medicine chiefs of tribes while the people that are, you know, going to their experience, whatever they offer, they don't have to be dealing with such detail. It's not necessary. In Judaism, we don't just experience what medicine chiefs experience. We are the direct descendants of a prophetic nation. Someone who is a medicine chief of a tribe understands great details of the metaphysical creation, of metaphysics. Prophecy is not metaphysics. Prophecy is having a relationship with the creator of the metaphysics. Prophecy is understanding metaphysics is down up, meaning I, take, I put on my psychonaut suit and I travel up into the spiritual world. It's down up. Prophecy is up down. Prophecy is where the the being that creates and and supplies the entire metaphysical and our physical world with life, with power, with experience, with reality. Prophecy is where that power source, called the king of the universe, actually infuses. A single individual or a group, it's only been group once, was, uh, I mean, there's been a couple group experiences, but Mount Sinai was a group experience. Splitting of the sea was a group experience. There was a group experience on Mount Carmel. There was a famous situation with Elijah the prophet on Mount Carmel, where there was a group prophecy. There, but in general, it's to an individual. Historically, though, there was one experience of full prophecy for an entire nation. 
Tell me, what kind of status does that create? What kind of status does that create? First of all, if you were there, if you're at Sinai, what kind of status are you on? Having experienced direct prophecy. Just as an individual, forget the group, even if you weren't at Sinai. If you experience prophecy, what level of responsibility of spiritual alignment are you now on? It's the highest. It's the highest. It makes it makes the medicine chief with all his, you know, tremendous details of alignments, it makes the medicine chief look like a, a pothead under, a, you know, a teenage pothead under a, uh, uh, you know, an overpass, you know, getting high or something. Prophecy is going to take you to the highest, highest status. It's going to come with extreme amounts of alignment. And so, so when you see, if you know a Jew who keeps all of Torah and all of Halacha, all of Jewish law, you will notice that they have, from the morning till the night, detail after detail after detail of things that they're aligning to. Yes, all those alignments can get actually in the way of connection. If you don't keep your eye on the ball, you get so involved in the details, you forget about the connection to God. But as long as you keep your connection to God alive and well, all the details of Jewish life are the details that come from someone who's a descendant of a prophet. You're a descendant of a prophet. That's who you are. If you're sitting in this room right now or watching this live as a Jew, like Monty Reese over there, this guy, Paulie's still there. So if, I'm watching all my friends and old students on the, um, if you're a descendant of a prophet, that puts you automatically. Now, this is another question. Is so what? Like, so I'm a descendant? Like, leave me alone. You know what I mean? Like, like, that was nice for them. I didn't experience prophecy. So, yeah, I understand the medicine chief. He's been there. He was there. So, okay, I understand. He's got a lot of details he's dealing with. He was there. I wasn't there. So why do I have to deal with all these details? And I think mostly when you meet a lot of Jews who aren't interested in all those details, I think a lot of those, a lot of those, uh, Ezra, I'll see you in two weeks. Love you. Keep the fire burning out here. I'll just finish that line then, Barb. I'm coming to you, Barb. Okay. Is that um, I wasn't there, so don't bother me with the details. God, you want to give me prophecy? I'm in. But you want to tell me that I got to keep the details because I'm a descendant of prophets? Don't know if I'm in. You hear the question? <laughs> hey, proof's in the pudding. You have prophecy. Like You'll do anything for God. I mean, I could ask all of you guys, if you had a full God experience, is there anything you wouldn't do for God? Yeah, no, of course not. Which brings to another question, or this kind of deep question is, think about it, if you had the full God experience, so okay, you know, what wouldn't I do? What wouldn't I do that God asked me to do? I'd do it all. Like I, it's like marriage. Like I've had a full, deep, intimate connection with this person. What wouldn't I do for them? So it's the same thing with God. But you know what that means? Maybe I should stay fuzzy.
You know, if there's nothing I wouldn't do for God if I had that kind of clarity. So I better stay fuzzy. Because I don't want to wind up having to do all this stuff. You understand? Like, could it be that we're sabotaging our God experience because we know it comes with responsibility? Could it be that we're sabotaging this level of clear connection because we wouldn't want to deal with the consequences of it all? I mean, imagine like I was taking you all on a trip to the north. And I tell each of you, I'm telling you, when you go on this trip to the north with me, you're going to have the ultimate God experience. Part of you would be like, yeah, cool. You know, I want to have this ultimate God experience. And there'd be a part of you going like, not sure I want that. Because I don't know if I want to deal with the consequences of that. So if anyone's lacking clarity when it comes to God, you should, you can blame God for some of that, but you got to blame yourself a bit too. Yeah. Oh. Okay. <clears throat> Belief versus knowledge. Mm-hmm. And I'm defining those by I believe what somebody told me about something, or some book told me about something, or some ancient prophecy told me about something. And knowledge to know is something that I experience directly for myself. Right. I have an issue with any of these, I'll use your word, prophecies, because they are beliefs. We're stuck with that. They are beliefs. Meaning meaning it may have happened, but may you and I you and I have we happened. have to we would have to believe it happened if it Correct. Right. Correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um several things going on in my head. And I'm a That's descendant fine. of these prophecies, and I this is proven by my genetic testing I did in the States last year. I'm 100% Ashkenazi Jew. My DNA. There's no question about this. Okay? So, I am a descendant of these prophecies, as you call them. And I choose to, from my experience of God, to go with my direct knowledge and experiences through meditation. Years ago, through lysergic acid diethylamide. More recently, through ayahuasca. Through 5-MeO-DMT. Not that I do these things very often. But you've had those experiences. But I've had those direct experiences of being at the center of the universe and being not God, but part of God's direct experience where there are no books and are no rules and are no prophecies. And not that I turn away from Judaism, but why do I need it? Okay? Why do I need it when I have had these direct experiences? And then a follow-on, I guess that's just a comment, not really a question. Right. No, you said, why do I need it? Yeah, why do I need it? And... Um, how come all of these prophecies like the parting of the sea and the, all of these stories that I am supposed to believe, why have not one of them, zero, happened in modern verifiable times? None of them. Mm-hmm. They're why, unique to that time. Why are they just unique to that time? Why don't these things happen now? Why doesn't God show up, you know, 
on that rooftop next to the soldier right there, or, or appear in this room, or... Excellent, excellent. I love you know? your questions. Rabbi, are you willing to let me go at this for a minute? Because I know it's after four if you're in this room. You have two minutes. And we can take it in the lobby if you want. Okay, and what's your class? I actually have a meeting. Why so many? Wow. Which is answering part of the question, is that it's a bit of an anomaly that we're chased the way we are. Meaning, all we've done is just tell everyone, Shalom. Yeah. You know, and yet we're this, we have this endless hatred. Is that a, is that a multimedia? Multimedia. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> 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 give me two. Because <laughs> that was all, that was the plug for the multimedia, why the juice? <laughs> Direct experience, uh, you can't argue with, which you've had. It's amazing. And that's what we were talking about before with connection, is that you have that. And so the question is really, why would I align with the people of this prophetic history, with the prophecy of Israel, which comes with all the alignments, meaning 613 hyperlinks, that when you click on them, get all these laws, tons of detail. So the answer is that if it's verifiable, if Sinai is verifiable, which like kind of... The, a kind of re-engineering is from the anti-Semitism that he'll be discussing. But if, you get what I'm saying? But if it's verifiable that that took place, and I'm able to understand why aligning with those 613, meaning there's going to be do's and don'ts, but by aligning with them, I create greater float, not just for me. See, you were at the ayahuasca experience. It was your experience. No one can take that away from you. But you're not alone, brother. According to Judaism, every single Jew is counting on your getting down to the Chabad stand at the Kotel and getting us to fill it on. And you're close to that Chabad stand, but there are tons of Jews out there in Las Vegas and Wyoming and all over the place that have never seen a pair of fill in their lives. Yeah. We're all, we are one organism, the Jewish people. That prophecy linked us forever. Right. And my aligning with the prophetic tradition is not just about me. By the way, I have lots of amazing answers for you, and you and I definitely got to pow out because it sounds like sounds like you and I are cut from the same cloth, yeah, yeah, yeah. experientially. But um, but the that's just answer number one is is when it comes to just you, I give it to you. Yeah, I think you may be right, but it's not just you. You're part of an organism, and that's answer one. Many more to come. Okay, the next is. Um, what was the corollary question, just to give that a... Well, about modern day... Uh... Yeah, where is God now? Yeah. Well, you'll notice you could ask the same exact question right before Sinai, right before the splitting of the sea, right before that. Meaning, meaning it was like physical world as we know it, then there's like boom, little period, and then physical world as we know it. So what we learn in Judaism is that there's three epochs, there are three stages. Creation, which is called Genesis. Revelation, which is the time of revealed miracle. And then there's uh, completion, which will be this kind of messianic time. That's why like all cameras are on Israel, this tiny sliver where just the name Israel has to be written in the Mediterranean because it's not even wide enough to put the name on the country, on the atlas. 
You understand? But yet the whole world is like we're on the front page if someone sneezes. So, so we are part of this end game. There's some end game going on. There's some global thing happening all around us, which is partially what, what Rabbi Ellis will be handling. And, and this three-stage thing of creation, revelation, and completion, which is very much like life. You were born creation. You will die. Completion. But there's been, in, in your life especially, plenty of rel- relative, revelatory moments. And those revelatory moments make all the difference. So history itself has those three stages. And we're not in the stage of revelation right now. It's just not where we're at. Nor were they before. They went 2,448 years before that stage. And then after that stage closed, which was quick, it kind of opened and closed. And there's a reason why. Because the first 2448 were quite disappointing. Because people were into the occult with the, at the expense of the relationship with God. I mean, if your father's the CEO of Bank of America, don't go to a teller. But the world seemed to love the teller. I don't know. The, I guess the kid, the son of the CEO, had a crush on the teller. And God says, "Like, why is everyone going? To, why is everyone going to the teller when you can go to me?" And so that's why there was a revelation. The reason God did one little nail, like one serious spark of revelation at that period, was to let everyone know there's a CEO here. And, but it wasn't so much to let the world know because they should have figured it out. It was to let the Jews know. And then he was switching plans from the world to a pilot nation, like a teacher's assistant, a pilot nation to teach the world. Because taking on the whole world for connection just didn't work out. It was failure after failure for two and a half millennia of failure. So God went to plan B. I'll have a pilot nation called Israel. And I will give them the major TXX surround sound Omnimax 3D LSD experience at Sinai. <laughs> They'll have the revelation you're speaking of. And then through them, the world will get their connection. Well, it turns out we blew it. And God exiled us and sent us as satellites to do a plan C. <laughs> and then plan D is what we're in now is called, is called um, uh, redemption. We're in redemption period, and that's why you're in Israel. We're coming to the celebration of Yom Ha'atzmaut, which is celebrating the redemption of Israel. And we're in the plan D, the fourth plan of redemption. That's where we are now. Okay, shalom, everyone. I'll see you in two weeks. I'll try to do some live recordings while I'm on my trip to uh, wherever I'm going, New York, Baltimore, L.A., New York, and Massachusetts. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.